0: By God alone I'm saved from my sin To
1: God alone be glory, amen
2: Welcome to the Reformed Refugees Podcast where we discuss our joys, difficulties, our questions, and our discoveries that we've had along our journey to living within a Reformed confessional Christian community. As a disclaimer, we are not affiliated with any particular ministry or church. We are just two ladies hanging out in our kitchen, and we hope that you'll join us and grab
1: a cup of coffee. I'm Danielle, and this is my husband. Brandon. I'm Lydia, and this is my husband.
0: Ryan, hello. (laughs)
1: And today, we are going to be talking with our husbands about gender roles through the male perspective. Um, We're going to be talking about some of their past experiences, what it means to submit, what is the biblical definition of gender roles and um, of gender. And and (laughs) unfortunately, we have to define what gender is these days. And so I would love to hear from each of you. Um, what your view of gender roles was growing up, what that looked like relationally, um, culturally, and also within your families.
0: Uh, absolutely, yeah. Um, mine was, was pretty simple. Um, it was a pretty basic American idea of gender roles, at least classically. Now everything has shifted because um, I had all my grandparents growing up for the most part. My parents were married are still married, have been married my entire life. So it was very much a, a rooted family focused kind of classical understanding. Obviously, within that were all the dysfunctions and everything that comes with it, but it was the husband, the man will focus on work, fixing things, you know, doing the hard things, discipline, yard work, labor. And the wife would be at home with the kids and raising the children and taking care of the home and the food. And and those kinds of things were all um, shown to us via our families, uh, many examples. On On one side, it was more uh, maternally focused. On the other side, it was more paternally focused. But it, it was a good blend of all of those things. You mean... I'm-
2: on one side of your family versus the other side of your family?
0: Yeah, so on one side, it was the... the on my paternal side, there was more maternal um, influence. Okay. And on my mom's side, it was... There were a lot of strong, dominant male figures who were the classical males, you know, like sailors and military men and kind of the alpha mentality, where on my... My dad's side, it tended to be more maternal and more passive and more, you know, Mm -hmm. classically feminine as we would understand it. But for the most part, you know, nothing really radical within our family. Like I said, it was a very classical understanding. It wasn't biblically informed. Uh, It wasn't biblically rooted for us. That was just the way they were operating had been handed down to them from generation to generation, so...
2: I think it's very interesting to me that you felt like it was very traditional because I know when you and I got together, uh, growing up, I had heard that metal bands where the men had long hair and wore makeup and all of this were um, gender bending and not appropriate and to be moved away from and didn't have, uh, didn't carry any worth. And that was very much sort of the environment that you grew up in where, you know, your dad's in a band, those kinds of bands were all idolized, and so it didn't seem...
0: They were, and the difference, at least with my family, was that with our grandparents still around, there were people still there to kind of slap some sense into them, you know, that mm-hmm. <laughs> while, my, while my dad's parents didn't necessarily, you know, pick on him or anything about the whole 80s hair metal If you're a guy, you're a girl, you're wearing makeup, all that kind of junk, you know, but there was still that strong imagery was just reinforced into all of our minds that at the end of the day, the man is working to provide for his family and the the woman is at home with the kids and taking care of those things. And there was, you know, my mom still worked. She got in and out of the home. But predominantly those were their roles, and I feel like those were just roles that had been passed down to them. And even if they did kind of go outside of the norm, mm-hmm. it always got rooted back in the traditional understanding of those guys.
2: What about you, Brandon?
3: I think is uh, similar to Ryan's. Um, my parents are still married. Um, they've been married for 40 the <laughs> almost 42 years. Um, <clears throat> my mom was, uh, what I would say is very traditional mother. She didn't even actually get her license until she was in her early thirties, maybe late twenties, wow. early thirties. So totally dependent on my dad. Um, she did all the cooking, cleaning. Um, my dad again would do all the work. Um, a lot of hunting and fishing afterwards, that sort of thing. So I just think, especially in our area, uh, typical and, uh, not without it's, you know, we all have brokenness that we deal with. And my dad came from a, uh, a broken background where his mother passed away when he was 11. And so Mm. just him and his brothers and sisters launched into adulthood, adulthood early. And, uh, so yeah, that was, uh, very similar to Ryan's. I don't think I could really um, add more to the discussion. I think very similar.
0: Yeah, I mean, Northeast, where we are currently living, uh, just as a whole, for the most part, it's still a pretty traditional understanding of, of marriage and the marriage roles. Even if they may not be necessarily biblically informed, mm-hmm. they are still rooted within that traditional understanding. And so like well with my my parents they still fit into those roles but it was much more fluid than the generation before mm-hmm. um where yeah my dad worked he always had a job and he that was always his focus and my mom could go in and out of work and be at home for a while and then work it was still you know they're still rooted in he has to be the one that has to you know provide and find the job and make the money and do those kinds of things while she was at home with the kids as much as she could be, and you know, uh, that was pretty much all of all of my growing up.
2: So, with that understanding, then, what would you say is the biblical standard? What's the what's the biblical definition here that we're working toward?
0: So, the biblical definition um, is rooted in quite a few places. Obviously, well, hopefully, obviously, it, it does begin in Genesis. And it does begin with creation because Adam and Eve were two different people. They were two different genders. You know? It's very clear that he created male and female. So right there you have a distinction. And it is a distinction with a difference. Not only do we see Adam being created first, we see that Eve was created in response to a need that God saw within Adam. And so there was a relationship born out of that. So in the very beginning, we see a definition of dependence between these two human beings. Now, where Adam couldn't have done it on his own, and Eve was there with Adam, so you see that relationship born into who they are and into their needs right from the very beginning. Yeah. But you also see that within the curse um, and how their roles shifted. There was still authority, but now that authority is being mutated and cursed where one wants to take it and the other one wants to abuse it. Now one, the gift of childbearing now is painful. The gift of work is now painful and toilsome. So again, it emphasizes the structural differences between men and women and that their roles would be different mm-hmm. and as you go through the Old Testament into the New Testament and within the church structure and within Christ and the church we see men and women um, and their differences compared and contrasted there with the, the husband being the head the wife being under the husband and the children being below that and very specific roles within that as well what Brandon to add or or Danielle, I don't want to go on talking. (laughs) Oh no. Yeah.
1: No, I just wanted to bring up. I love how in Genesis it talks about, sorry, I'm flipping through my Bible. You're going to hear that. (laughs) Um, but I do love how it talks about when God created Adam and then he, God had Adam name all the animals and he saw that they all were paired. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's seeing this, like they each have a helpmate, right? Mm -hmm. And so it talks about like, God says that every, every day and everything he created and it was good and it was good and it was good. And then he says that, you know, it wasn't good. Like Adam needed a helper. And so God created that for him and that it was good. And so that there is this, this view of man and and wife, right? Mm -hmm. Husband and wife. And how it is a good thing and God ordained that from the very beginning and how we need that. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to touch on that a little bit. So it's
3: it's not really an overstatement then to say that, um, the defining gender and having the two genders that God created cuts to the core of what it means to be human. And so that's under attack right now. Uh, in a sense, we're going to continue to deface the image of God in ourselves Mm -hmm. and lose uh, grounding with some of the the very beginnings of, of truth that are told in Scripture, as we unmoor ourselves.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I that was the first instance in the Bible where creation up to that point everything was good, mm-hmm. and the first instance where God says it is not good. Yeah. it is not mm-hmm. good for a man to be alone. Yeah, and so I, I think that's important to not pass by um, because it does have implications. Throughout you know all of history, as these things are either grabbed a hold of or discarded, we start to see the wreckage of those decisions. So yeah,
3: absolutely.
1: And I also love the image when you were talking about uh, the fall and how those roles changed, got harder, and how the woman wanted the man's control and the man wanted dominion in a way that you know, or even even in the garden when Adam's like, but it was this woman that you gave me, <laughs> you know. And how, like, this blame shifting and this, you know, headbutting <laughs> between man and wife, and this uh, animosity for control and what control looks like and roles, mm-hmm. right? What are our roles and what did God give us? Um, and how, you know, that definitely is very prevalent in today's culture, which I know we'll get to, in women wanting to be quote unquote equal with men, and how God created us equal but with different roles that are not demeaning in any way and uh, I just love that picture which is so
2: interesting to me too because we see a lot of people especially in worldly like mom groups like well, the kind of mom that I am is gonna be different from the kind of mom
1: that you are, and that's yeah. okay. We can all be different. This grace, grace, grace. Like I, everything is permissible, and
2: well, and then we just we all have this entitlement to be mm-hmm. individuals. Yeah. But then when it comes to gender roles, yeah, I want the exact same oh. role as him. Yeah. It's not oh well look we're we're equal in value, but I'm doing my own thing. I've got my own calling. I've got my own tasks to attend yeah. to. And that's me. And yeah. There's there's not that love of individuality there. It's, no, you give me every single task that he has. You give me the role that he has. And that's what I want. And I won't settle for And why? Anything. I don't know. Like,
1: why do you Listen. want to do something you weren't created to do? Okay, not even what you weren't created to do. I got a flat tire. And <laughs> I call my
2: husband. And then I send a friend. I write... I send a text to my friend like my husband is changing my tire and I'm sitting in the car and I'm eating mm. breakfast and yeah. I'm just so glad I'm a woman today. And I know that that sounds
1: really No. <laughs> that sounds really bratty. You really pampered. I really <laughs> am.
2: Why would why why would I want these jobs that mm. seem like a
1: nightmare? Yes. No, thank you. You're going to go mow the grass. I will bake you some cookies. Yeah. Go knock yourself out. Well, and that's I've had people literally say to me like I've offered my husband's help with things to women who didn't have a husband. Oh, I am woman. Hear me roar. Like, I don't need a man, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm like, well, more power to you, but I do. And I'm going to let him do those things for me. <laughs> like, I don't want to do those dirty jobs that mm-hmm. I wasn't meant to do. That's yeah. not for me. And I've had to, like, I've been a single mom. I've mm-hmm. been widowed. I've been in places where I've had to do both sides. Mm-hmm. It's not fun. No. Like, we think that motherhood and just the role of motherhood can be really tiring in managing the homes and the children. When you've got to do both roles and we weren't meant to do both roles, like that is literal hell on earth. Like it's rough. Yeah. And why would anybody, I, I just don't see the, um, I don't even know the, what's the word the allure to it. Yeah. Like why is that shiny? And why do you want that?
0: And anyway. it's, it's true. And it's, uh, it's, again, it's all rooted in, in Genesis because, um, sin wants independence wants to be self-made, you know, wants to be just I am me and no one else made me. That idea is just absurd in the first place because it's impossible. Uh, and, you know, it's just impossible for you to be in a vacuum and be self-made. That's just not how it works. We were created to be interdependent, to be interrelational. Just, just the idea of, of a woman carrying another human being paints the picture of how interdependent humanity is. Hmm. You know, the, these, these American dream concepts of you just go out and make yourself, and you can go and do anything you want to of your own accord is just is not how it works. And it's not what the Bible is showing us. And when you look at the curses, which many people will pass over, but when you look at the curses, it's not that those things were just introduced out of the blue things were set up in a particular order with Adam being an authority and being the head of what God had created and being given dominion and Eve coming out of that with the curses, those things are distorted and diminished and turned into something that is now a struggle to deal with. So when you look into the New Testament, you see the restoration of Mm -hmm. those roles. And now with submission that paul talks about in in his letters to the various churches you get a restoration of those things of how they should have been it should be a joy for these things it should be pleasing and pleasant for these things and that's how we were created for mm-hmm. and not that now you're going to be put into a box you never were before and forced into subjugation that's not yeah. what it is at all so
1: so what would you say like what are the blessings in gender roles and how do they glorify God? I don't know if that's something that we planned on covering, but that just came to mind. Like what are the blessings in staying within our gender roles and, in the way that God created us and how do those things glorify God?
3: What do you think Brandon? Well, I was waiting for your response. I was question? like, I'm going to rip I'm gonna riff off of well, whatever just, Ryan says. I don't says, want to talk so. forever. No, no. I could talk forever. Um, Blessings. Well, I'm, I just have to take it back to where I'm currently at and what God has been showing me through Scripture and through the men around me uh, in our church. And I think it links back to what we're discussing in Genesis because what is the first thing that leads to all this destruction and chaos and cursing? It's Adam failing to lead as a man. Mm-hmm. It's his, He uh, is passive Therefore, leading uh, the door open to Satan mm-hmm. to come in and entice Eve. And then she takes the bait. And all the while, Adam is passive. He's uh, passing along uh, the the responsibility to his wife. And I still feel I've, I've felt that struggle ever since you and I got married where I would uh, look to you at times when I shouldn't have been to be like, well, she's going to take care of it. She's going to tell the kids. And what um, did that do to me? Yeah, it put an undue burden on you uh, that only just created this um, toxic ripple effect that wouldn't stop in our mm-hmm. marriage. Because I would look to you and go, well, she's going to tell them how this relates to Christ and the gospel and you know, work through this fight with the kids. And I she's would just, going to correct them. Or she's going to correct them. Or... And I would just catch myself standing there watching and waiting for you to do something that I was... Meant to do, yeah, and I think that. And I've talked to Ryan about this. Uh, we're now generationally, there's been generations of men and uh, and women who have not passed down this information from the prior generation the way that God has intended it to be transmitted. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, we were in our men's group a couple weeks ago and we were looking around, and, um, it was just really refreshing to be around, and it was for the first time in my life I was around other men who cared about leading in an active Christ-like way for their to their wives and their children. I've never actually been exposed to that. Uh, by again, it's this passivity in manhood that has been that permeates our culture. I'm used to, and this isn't to throw stones, but I'm used to the men around me looking to their pastor to minister to their wives and children, looking to the youth group to minister to their wives and children, looking to public education to educate their children, everyone but themselves. And it's almost like when you're a fish in water, no one's even aware that this is happening because we don't even, we've lost so much of what it means to be a biblical man. Mm -hmm. We have no real tangible examples anymore uh, no older men to look for, uh, look to that it's been almost utterly lost. Yeah. And that's where I'm at now is recovering biblical manhood in that respect.
1: And that's what we were talking about a little bit in the interview that you did with me is biblical womanhood and not having these older yeah. women wanting to fulfill the Titus 2 mandate. And Brandon often reminds me that I am one of those older women, not the oldest, but I am mm-hmm. one of those older women in yeah. <laughs> fulfilling that. But um, how how that affects us and how when we don't have that basic foundation
3: mm-hmm. of what it
1: means to be a biblical biblical womanhood what what biblical womanhood looks like, what biblical manhood looks like, uh we are doing ourselves, our children, our communities and most importantly our god a great um dis what's the word it was in disservice. my head. disservice. And so I want to ask quickly and it could be for both of you but I know specifically Brandon um, just because you know, I live with you and you're my husband, but for you, like when I am being, I've been really studying biblical womanhood and what does that look like and what is my charge? And so as I am doing that and when I, when I am, um, filling that role and I'm being a biblical woman, like how does that affect you? And when you are leading and being and this good for both of you, like when you are taking charge of that role, how, how are your wives reacting? Like when we're fulfilling our roles in the home. And when you're fulfilling your roles, how does that? what does that look like? And how does that? Um, how does that affect each of us?
3: Um, well, right off the bat, just tangibly, it starts to bring peace into the house where there was no peace. Um, when you, we, we talked about it on the way here. When you're responding to things like because there is when you have little kids, it's very trying and it's chaotic and someone's screaming in your ear while you've got three other people asking you questions. Mm-hmm the natural tendency is to just explode or to be like, I can't handle this anymore and shut down. But when you're choosing to face these things with joy, with grace, and when I see you do that, um, it has an effect on me because it makes me... I don't even know how to describe it, but it makes me want to um, care and nurture that more, I guess you could say. Yeah. And uh, But it starts with me. So that's... Again, I, I would... I would fall back into passivity if I just relied on her and what she's doing in biblical womanhood. I, I've noticed um, we had a pretty rough week. It was a week or two ago, and uh, I really just came to God and repented and said, "I know that I, I know what you're calling me to, and now I have to die to self." And, and you didn't
1: it. know because I was like, "I'm not going to tell him," but that whole week I was praying for that exact thing. Like, Lord, I can't, I can control how I react, but I can't Mm -hmm. control him. And I don't want to be uh, prideful in the way that I correct him. Because sometimes, like, let's be be honest, like, sometimes our correction as wives isn't always loving, right? Like, we're not being Mm -hmm. humble in it. It's, uh, at least for me, like, it's born of anxiety and Mm -hmm. stress and frustration. So I was like, I'm just going to pray about this thing. And little did I know, Brandon was also... God was beginning to change things in him. I'm like, that might have been the quickest, one of the <laughs> quickest <laughs> requests ever that <laughs> got answered.
3: Um, and yeah, there's a, there's a long way to go, obviously, but it just comes down to, and again, this is all, at the end of the day, biblical manhood, biblical womanhood, the basis, the foundation is our relationship with Christ. My personal relationship with Christ. Yeah. Uh, submitting to what uh, he has called me to submit to and dying to self. And so just realizing that I, as a man, have the responsibility to set the tone and the direction of my family every every day. Mm-hmm. From the moment my eyes open up, uh, am I going to pray with my wife when we wake up? Am I going to lead her into the scriptures? Uh, am I going to take the first catastrophe of spilled milk uh, or... Uh, a dirty diaper and whatever it is, am I going to deal with that graciously mm-hmm. and sacrificially, or am I, am I going to just uh, be passive and pass it along and then give her burdens that uh, and just have it spiral out of control again? Mm-hmm. So it starts with us. And I just wanted to add one, one idea. <laughs> one idea that I had is. So we can all, I think, agree that we're at like a crisis level in our culture with biblical or with manhood and womanhood. Period. And so, as a church, how are we going to be salt and speak to these issues if we haven't even recovered what that means to be a man and a woman? Mm -hmm. I don't think we're going to until we have these discussions and we actually zero in on what that means. What what, what do we have to say until we, in the house of God, are living it? By work and
1: deed, word and no. deed, not work and yeah.
3: deed. So, yeah. Yeah, you you can't
0: until you are practicing it yourself. I mean, it starts when you're within the church. It doesn't even start within the church. It starts at home because yeah. the husband is is meant to be the elder of his household, and so when you look at the qualification qualifications for an elder in Titus and 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 Timothy, those are the qualifications for a husband in his in his position within the family. You know so if that's not being done at home you can't do it at church and then it, it messes it messes it all up and you talk about how does it glorify God or the joys of it it's it puts everything into place and when you feel as if everything is in the right place there's a sense of, of fulfillment and peace mm-hmm. that is involved with that and it's it's hard because it our sin we are to mortify every day and Passivity is, you know, a matter of, well, I just want my thing. I want to do my thing. All these other things aren't me. Let somebody else deal with them besides myself. So it was really sin that we are attacking our own sin. Mm -hmm. And I struggle with that too because my father was was passive and my grandfather on that side seemed to be fairly passive as well. But then on the other side, it was, you know, a, a loud, abrasive, Uh, go get him, kind of a grandfather. So I had both of these images in my mind where they were both married for very long times and seemed to have loving, committed relationships. But then we get to scriptures and and it tells a very clear story. Like the husband is the head of the household. He sets things in order and puts things in place. This is how it is to be ran. This is the best way for it to be run. And uh, the struggle is that We want to be comfortable and safe and out there, you know, in our own sinful world instead of being interdependent on each other because that's vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And that's hard to have to depend on someone else or be out front and lead is vulnerable because what if you mess up? What if your decision is the wrong one and it affects everyone else? Mm. You know, that's really the struggle for me with... With headship is, if I'm out there making the decisions, what if one of them is terrible? You know, it doesn't just have consequences for me, it can affect everyone. You know, and so that is a difficult thing to have to wrestle with day in and day out. But, again, God put these things in order for a reason, and I think that when they are working as they should, you you feel it, you sense the difference, you understand why he put them that way they just
2: and in some senses that rhythm is so naturally found and then in other senses it's just not so naturally found and you really have to work for it and i feel like there there are things that take good things that take time to get to and i i think that we can fall in day in and day out in and out of these rhythms but overall you see like this overarching improvement as your marriage goes on how you're growing to be uh, people who are more likely to find that rhythm a little bit quicker and a little bit quicker and a little bit quicker. And then you look at the old couple who's, you know, three booths down at Arby's and they're adorable and they're in step and... and they're you, one flesh. And they are. And they've had, they've had all that time to get there. And I think sometimes we want to rush to those wonderful results so we don't realize how much work went into that. So...
0: They all do. I mean, kids want to have dessert before they have dinner, yeah. Or get a job to make money to pay for the food to get dinner, then to have dessert. They'd rather just have the dessert right then and there. But this that one flesh is a is a knitting process, (laughs) just a sanctification.
1: Give it to me. I promise, I'll appreciate it. Uh, No. (laughs) no,
3: Let me ask you, ladies, a question. How hard is it? Maybe it isn't hard. I, I want I want to know how hard is it. He talked about the fear of failing, making the decisions. How hard is it to give your husband the freedom to fail? Cause I think that sometimes women can be, they think that they, the husband's going to fail or make the wrong decision. And so they, may feel the urge to be like, all right, but I, I can't let you do that because mm-hmm. you, and I think that can actually create conflict as well. Do you
1: want to answer that one, Daniel? Well, he's pointing a finger at me right
2: now, <laughs> so. Actually,
3: my hand's open, so you can't see, but there's no yeah. finger well, pointing. Well, you know, it's it can be a
1: hard, I think for our dynamic, it's hard because we were both married, uh, you know, and then your ex-wife left the marriage and I was widowed, and so then in our 30s, we're both single again and independent and it's really hard because we were both being fulfilling uh, two roles that were meant for mm-hmm. you know one person filling two roles that weren't meant for us and so for me it can be really hard I think I'm uh, I'm trying to consciously do better at that um but I think it's it's a hard like where is the balance because we are Like, you ultimately have the decision, but we also should be allowed to have a say and at least give our, like, what we think about it. I think, right? Like, are we allowed to (laughs) say, hey, I'm not really sure, um, but still ultimately let you do what you think is best. Mm -hmm. But that can be hard because there are times that um, I think we, as women, we see things from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. Our minds work differently. And some things... um, know, it's hard. It's humbling. It's hard. And it's really easy, um, to get into the flesh when there is failure and not, not humble yourself. Um, I don't, I don't know that I've ever, maybe I have Brandon's pretty good about saying, I guess I should have just listened to you when things don't pan out um i don't know like that's a hard question that's a loaded really hard question i was not meant to be
3: loaded it was a genuine and this might be
1: you know might be a little too vulnerable but
2: you know you can edit out whatever you don't like um (laughs) can you edit out all the things i just said (laughs) i i think i think for me and i think it comes down to individual women and their individual husbands We got married. I was 18 and he was 22. So a lot of the mistakes that we made, we made together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And wholeheartedly, like feet first (laughs) or head first. Is that the the thing. So um, I know that whatever goes wrong, that God is sovereign and we're going to find our way out of it together, uh, even if it is pretty banged up. So there's that. That being said... My husband is generally a thought-out sort of person, so I can normally see where his train of thought is that has come up occasionally where we didn't agree on something. And I go back to this a lot, but there was a secretary at a place I was interning at, and a lot of us women were talking, and Mm -hmm. she said agreeing is not submitting. Agreeing is agreeing. So you agree with your husband, great, good for you. What do you do when you don't agree? then you have to submit and there have been a few times in our marriage where I did not agree I didn't think that it was the best way to go and it's not the way that my personality would have handled it but I had to step back and stay out of the way because how is he ever going to work past those feelings of what if I don't make the right decision if I'm not even in his corner yeah Um, and to see, you know, maybe he can pull it off. How am I going to learn to trust him if I don't have opportunities to trust him? Mm -hmm. So there's that. But then in the back of my mind at the same time, and I don't know where this falls at in sanctification, but I'm a planner. So I think, okay, if this This falls through, if this falls through, (laughs) it's going to be me picking it up. So what are the, you know, what are, not that he wouldn't help, but where it comes down to my jobs and the things that I have to rebuild, do I have the tools necessary to do that? And if I do, okay, take the risk. If I don't, then I talk to my husband and I say, look, I know that this is a decision that you want to make, but if we need a plan B, I don't have all the resources to to, to get this done. And he'll say, oh, okay,
1: well, I thought about that and
2: here's it. So does, does, that, I,
1: does that kind of make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, I think it's hard. I don't know that we've had any um, major decision-making that you've had to make. I think a lot of our, um, okay, let me, let me just say this. I think it's important to define like what a woman's role in the home is, what a man's role in the home is. And when we're crossing each other's boundaries, because Mm -hmm. is there a place, is there a place for, you know, what does it look like as far as, well, we're the managers of our home. And so what does that mean that we're the, actually the managers of in our home Mm -hmm. and our husband is our head and so what does that look like as our head over how we're managing our home? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Because I think that there's times for us that it's, it can be hard because we still, because we're coming from this place of such independence later in life mm-hmm. and having, we have a blended family, you know, he has two kids, I have two kids and we have one together. And, you know, if I'm, if today is, if, if today is, um, pasta night for dinner and that's what's set and he doesn't want pasta are we am i just like okay well let's just go shopping and spend more money or am i mm. like well this is what we have you know what, like at what point do our actual roles take i don't know like what does that look like i guess so I, my question would be as far as submitting and trusting can you give like guidelines because i don't think we've ever had a huge decision to make that we disagreed on it's and, not for us
3: i'm not major life-changing decisions typically mm-hmm. it's the little decisions like i would rather not have pasta tonight mm-hmm. and then yeah so he wants
1: me to go spend 40 dollars
2: at the grocery store well, to make vegan biscuits and you guys are so it. chill because everything is the end of the world for me like do you understand the butterfly effect Like, if you don't eat this pasta the example that you're setting for your children they're going to be in prison right. who's going to drive us to prison visitation from the nursing home have you considered that like
0: I, to, to, to interject here I think I think this, this, this might be helpful uh, because it touches upon some of the things we've talked about and some of the th- and one at least one of the things we were're going to try and touch upon this idea of submission uh, that you see in Ephesians 5 and in other places you know, I feel like a lot of men have seen that imagery that Paul uses as the husband being like Christ and the wife being like the church. And there is an equation there that is way too close. Like, we are not anywhere near Christ. The man, you know, God, husbands are nowhere near that mark of perfect authority, of perfect understanding, of that, you know, perfect person. What that imagery is trying to convey to us is as Christ cares for his church, as Christ provides for his church, as Christ leads his church spiritually, so too is the husband to do in all of those things. But we have our humanity and our sinful nature within us. You know, we've all been given the spirit to guide us and husbands as well as we lead We are meant to do like that. We know we're not not meant to be dictators because we look at Christ and he is the king. He is the final authority. He has control. He has all of it. That's not, we can't be like that because we're not that, because we don't have perfect knowledge, because we don't have perfect understanding. We don't control everything. You know, we're not the king of kings here. We are a type of that as the head, but we aren't the dictator husband that is meant to tell our wives what shampoo to use, tell her when to take a shower, you know, tell her what clothes she's gonna wear every day, and tell her, you know, all of those details, that's not what it's about. Those specifics, we work out as couples. We all have different skills and different gifts, I feel like, Mm -hmm. you know, and like dinner, maybe it is where you set it out for the whole week, And Brandon says, well, why don't we do this this one night? And then you come to an understanding, but spiritually and the provision of the family and the wife, you know, and all of those things, like an elder would at a church, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. That's what it is calling for, not as a dictator, because we don't have that authority, But within our families to provide and care spiritually, physically, emotionally, that's what uh, we're being called to do there. So hopefully that's helpful.
1: I have a new answer now. I love that. Yes. (laughs) So with that being said, and that definition and that outlook, honestly, that's a huge uh, lift of a burden. Mm -hmm. um, Because Brandon is, I trust Brandon to do our finances and, uh, you know, with how he delegates um, money and the way that he leads our family because I think I have for so long been the one to have to do all of that. Even mm-hmm. with my late husband, I was still, uh, because he grew up, and we'll go over this, egalitarian, you know, like mm-hmm. he looked to me to be the spiritual leader and I had to be. And that was tiring and it made me resentful and it was really hard. And so honestly, in those things, I think, I mean, this is by the grace of God, but I think I do a pretty good job of just being like you know what, maybe sometimes I'm too hands off with it and mm-hmm. he doesn't feel supported. Cause I'm just like, I trust you, you do your thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so those kind of things, you know, that, that helps me as a woman because those aren't my roles. Those aren't things that I, you know, and there's even things in, um, like church, you know, there's times that I've struggled with like body image and, and how I look and head covering kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. he's like, please just, just be simple. Just, wear a simple dress and a simple head covering Mm -hmm. and uh I was like all right I'm gonna do that Mm -hmm. and it was it went well you know
3: yeah no that's a great and I think that's a great example of and I say this just to be edifying not to in any way toot my own horn or anything but just giving that suggestion lovingly and not saying I forbid you to wear that Mm -hmm. in the house now maybe if it was something egregious but what Mm -hmm. I'm saying is Maybe you should just try wearing a simple dress and not having to stress out so much about all these accessories and these things that are dragging you down. Because I could see, well, this is going to lead to some form of liberation uh, mm-hmm. in a very tangible sense and spiritually, like you're. So,
2: and I think knowing both of you, though, too, I could see Danielle. I could see you being very like in your head about like the dress or like kind of overthinking it, and then Brandon just kind of being like. Keep, keep it simple
1: don't ruin our <laughs> Sunday morning with your emotions <laughs> yeah. and good. he's
2: right and I, do, and I don't say that to be unkind but I'm also I can be a very anxious person and I know that there are times where my husband will will step in because he's my husband and he's my best friend and he knows me better than anybody else and he'll just be like whoa okay it's today it's not 50 years in the future that's not what's really happening we're right here in this moment like just keep it simple so i when you say that like i hear Mm. i hear kind of some of the echoes that we've been through yeah because he's more of a simplistic person and i'm a right but have you seen my 18 bulleted point presentation (laughs) on why this (laughs) so Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, yeah i and it keeping it simple and, and those things, sometimes that's the benefit of of the the male perspective, at least uh, in, a, in, a, in a lot of areas here. But that's, again, why we fit together mm-hmm. uh, are these aspects that we were created to to complement each other for in, in many ways. And again, you know, the biblical standard is still enforced throughout all of these. So, you know, a husband isn't going to isn't going to let his wife veer away from the standard that is the Word of God. The same for himself. And that, in my mind, is a spiritual thing, but, you know, who we are and how we act, how we interact with each other and with our children, and those are all biblical standards for those to to guide us, and the husband is to enforce those. But again, if you're a dictator with, with these, then you're just, that's just abuse. You know, mm-hmm. these things, Christ carried out his work in truth and in love, and they were always with each other, you know. I'm, I always am struck by the the picture of, of the woman at the well. And yes, she had five husbands, or I can't remember the number, but he hit truth in there, but there was also love, and it was kind, and it was compassionate. And I also think of Hagar. It's like, okay... Things didn't really go quite so well, but I see you and I'm mm. going to take care of you nonetheless. And it's that imagery here that we are, are meant to portray. It's like, yes, there's a standard. We stick to that. We enforce that within our families and it should be followed, but not outside of love,
3: mm-hmm. you know,
0: because what is the truth outside of love is legalism and love outside of truth is just enablement and abuse. Mm.
1: Yeah.
3: So really, there's yeah we've kind of hit both ditches uh, passivity, uh, which will just allow everything and it's, it's rooted in sin. It's rooted in uh, self-love, and then on the other side of that is the um, yeah domineering. Uh, I'm going to be in control of everything. I'm the boss, and there's no love in that. There's not. So at the center is always Christ. If you and we're always going to struggle one way or the other, and we have to have Christ at the center to balance us. Yeah, because
0: imagine if Christ was the was the dictator on earth. You know, the what he shows us is that he submitted himself to the cross. You know, it, it wasn't that he came down, you guys are all terrible. Like, I'm not dealing with this anymore. Keep Get it, straight it simple. Or I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. It was, no, he gave himself up for the church. Mm-hmm. It, never did he waver from the truth. Never did he waver from the standard. But he gave himself up on that the most loving, truthful thing you can do mm. is that idea of sacrificial love. That's that's an example for men in the future, for boys now, for husbands in general, is this idea of sacrificial love. It's like, yes, you have a standard as the head of the household, but never forget the love uh, and Listening and the vulnerability of these things too.
2: So, is that sort of your practical advice then for men?
0: Part of it, yeah, yeah, certainly is to not be the dictator, right? But to also Absolutely. not be the passive, the passive uh, husband who just lets life go by and lets
3: other people deal with it. The the guy that checks out, which is a lot of people, a lot of men that I've. No, and I've been that guy. I'm just gonna check out. I'm gonna sit on my couch.
2: What's that like for you guys to have not had biblical role models to look after? Because I think Danielle and I both have mentioned our grandmothers were instrumental in our early faith, and mm. I feel like I had I had a woman to look to, and uh, I don't know. I don't know what what who are I, you guys modeling yourselves after?
3: I mean, I can. Let's look, the impact that a father can have on his children and his wife, But I'm, I'm talking about children here because this is for my father. I was raised in and out of church, but and I'm not going to go into the details, but uh, there was still the, that passivity there. My dad never was raised to any of these skills or ideas. But the few times that I remember him sitting me down with the Bible, and teach, well, I, I remember him teaching me how to pray, uh, I remember him walking me through some of the proverbs and talking about the fear of the Lord. That might have been the only times that he actually did that, and I remember them. It had a huge impact on me. Mm-hmm. Um, for most of my life, I remembered what he taught me about those things, and it could have been just once or twice that he sat down with me. So uh, the impact is incalculable.
2: Yeah. Uh, Each and every time it sounds like.
3: Yeah, but without yeah, but without that. It has felt like, uh, and we have the scriptures, but there's there's a certain element of power in seeing it lived out and having the examples. Mm-hmm. And so it's been one thing for me to hear a, a preacher uh, preach a barn burner on biblical manhood, mm-hmm. uh, but it's been much, I wouldn't say easier, but it's been different connecting the dots, seeing men in my actual life, mm-hmm. living it out. Yeah. It's meant to be done relationally. Yeah, you have
1: community in it, and you're not alone in it.
0: And then, so, as for me, in all this, I don't... I didn't have any spiritual examples whatsoever. Um, The one person I was related to who went to church on a regular basis was a kooky old man who was... He was something else, and that was not an example to follow. You know, and as time went on, he, he's a whole other story. But that, all that to say, there was no one. Uh, I think there was a spirituality there within most of my family, but the abuse of pastors and other religious folk meant that most of my family were devoid of anything in that regard. And certainly, there were values there—American values—and responsibilities but beyond that there was no root within them so it was just kind of uh, a a nebulous family life that was never really grounded or rooted in anything I mean it all changed when when we met you know and when I met your dad and uh, it was somebody, a person like I've never met before. It was someone who was aggressive and who took care of things, but was also deeply committed to his wife and to his family. It was someone who was a sacrificial giver who was willing to do anything and everything, but also at the same time, if you said a word while he watched his news programs, he would punch you in the face. So it was very much that that, that blend of warts and all. Here was someone who, who modeled um, what a husband should be, both in the strong, dominant type but also in the Loving sacrificial type and and, you know, and it was around about that time when the Bible opened up to me and these things started to make sense and The Spirit began revealing, you know, His Word to me and it it just has grown out of there ever ever since then But I think I thank God for the people He's put in my lives. They've shaped all of this, but It is much better to have a father there to shape these things rather than going the hard the hard route
3: absolutely
1: so I love hearing about um, just your guys's upbringing and the way that um, just your view is shaped in gender roles and especially biblical manhood and so we would love to hear from each of you what that looks like what are you guys doing day in and day out and how are you putting this into practice within your homes and your families being that biblical male role model and spiritual leader?
3: Very good question.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's it's um, lived out in, in many ways, you know, not only as a spiritual uh, example, like reading the word, praying, you know, those kinds of things where your kids and your wife can see you Participating, but also leading and guiding your family in those things too, and that can look like family church. You know, that can look like being at church as well, and um, showing those things and how to do those things to your to your children and to your wife. You know, it can be prayer. Um, Bible reading it can be whether you meditate on on different things devotionals all these different concepts it's really about engaging in the word of God engaging in prayer together uh, husband and wife husband and family all of these various things so I I mean those are those are the big things to <laughs> To, um, to look at I don't know Do you probably had some things to add to that as well no
3: I, I, I totally agree I would just be maybe a little more specific from what things that I've learned to start doing um, I mean it's the same things that you mentioned but I've tried to start doing uh, family worship every night and I haven't succeeded doing that every night but it's been really nice because um, there's a a feeling of cohesion throughout our week now where uh Worship Corporate worship on Sundays isn't this just anomaly that takes place at the end or the beginning of the week. Mm-hmm. We've been worshiping all week long. Yeah. And it's kind of almost like a mini service. And like Ryan said, it can take any, man, there's no right, perfect way to do it. It's, it's that intentionality in the Word and engaging. But, so we do, we've been doing mini services where I don't prepare a sermon or anything. I just have a, a kind of an outline where we uh, we read some scriptures uh, like a call to worship we do some singing together Uh, then we have an actual scripture reading we're going through the book of John right now and then we all I pray over my family and then I pray over my wife and then we pray together with the children and this takes 15 to 25 minutes Mm -hmm. and uh, that's been uh, very very helpful and I can't help but think that if I were to stay committed to something like this, that it will not have a profound effect on my family. How could it not? Uh, Worshiping regularly with my family. Also, then there's there's private time with the wife and and praying uh, over her. That's something I started quite a while ago. Guys, um, I talked to so many guys, uh, especially in my old church, about just praying with our wives for like five minutes. I mean, these are small things, but it's about being intentional. And I had so many guys come up to me afterwards. I spoke at a men's thing. Oh, I need to be praying with my wife, you know? And I had a friend of mine who's a pastor say, the divorce rate for men and women who pray together every single day is virtually non-existent. Mm. So it's just these little intentional things rooted and based on God's word and scripture that we can do. I mean, guys, Think about how the impact it's going to have. How are you going to fight the way that you were before if the first thing you do when you get home from work is say, baby, can you come over with me? Well, let's go to the room and I'm going to pray for you. Not just like with her, but pray over her and say, God, I thank you for the treasure that she is. And just going through things like that, just these little things that we can do uh, to lead, and that that's leadership. That's not commanding people. Now son, go and read your Bible because you haven't read it. You haven't checked it off the box today. It's right. Come here, let me read the Bible with you. Mm-hmm. you know, that's spiritual leadership. so that's that's where I'm at, things I'm learning.
2: So, so I think today we wanted to we wanted to cover gender roles, but it was a pretty big, uh, pretty big topic. So I just yeah. wanted to say, um, I would love to hear more about this. i I just want to give sort of a shout out to the single people. I know we focused a lot on gender roles within the marriage today. And I think that maybe in the future, sometime we could go a little bit further. So we've got some content then for for folks who maybe aren't yeah who aren't married or looking forward to being married. I
1: didn't yeah. want to leave them out.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We can do that.
1: I love that, and I love. Um, thank you guys for being willing to come on and let us throw questions at you, and um, we we really appreciate that. And. We hope that you guys have gleaned something from this podcast episode, and we would love to hear um, questions and comments. Like we said in our last episode, we have a Facebook page now called Reformed Refugees Podcast, and we also have an email, reformedrefugees at gmail.com. Um, and we just we love being able to sit here with our husbands today and uh, just candidly discuss some of these things. And I'm sure that you, you heard from our conversation that we are definitely not perfect in our roles. Um, but we are striving daily, um, to be in that in a marriage, you know, just, just like with God, we give grace and we get grace. Well, we don't give God grace, but just like God is gracious to us, we're gracious to each other and we're always growing. And and like I said, in one of our last episodes, (laughs) Um, we have not arrived and (laughs) I'm not going to say anything else about that, but like we, we haven't arrived and we're not going to arrive on the side of glory and we're always being sanctified and growing and learning. And, um, we just, we thank you guys for taking the time to, to listen to our podcast and for you guys coming on and being willing to share. Thanks
3: Thanks for having us.
1: See you guys next time.